Aaron, are you there? Hello, everybody. It's your uncle Aaron. Ready for Sunday Night Vibes. I I don't. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's totally unrelated, but as I said that, it made me think of... I'm watching a series on Amazon Prime right now about different cults. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, pretty much every... Every cult has like some creepy guy leader right. <laughs> taking advantage of people. So that that is not what that voice was. That's okay. just what happened coincidentally. I, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'll. So, yeah. All right then. Um, uh, I'm an well, aspiring cult leader. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the cult about punk rock and all of its friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's a podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friendly cult leader here is aaron uh how do we address you now that you are the leader of this cult what uh, there... just uh, just uncle aaron i guess uncle... <laughs> it's very fitting it's very <laughs> fitting um yeah okay let's 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 get in i guess let's get into this <laughs> this let's do it that start really just threw me yeah sorry you know, like <laughs> for a loop <laughs> it was good i really oh. liked it uh anyway we're gonna talk about rufio this is a little bit different what we're gonna do here because as uh, the listener as you have probably noticed by the artwork and the title of the episode and all this stuff it's not just aaron and myself this portion is just aaron and myself but aaron you got to sit down uh with someone from rufio and chat about rufio and their five favorite songs uh, so we're going to get into that in a little bit, but we thought it would be fun, especially with some of these bands where we're both at least somewhat familiar with, um, that we could kind of do a little thing at, at the forefront. So why don't you start real quick? Um, how did you, when, when did you first get into Rufio? Yeah, I would have been with their album, their first one, perhaps, I suppose, uh, a friend got it. And I remember, because we've talked about lots, artwork is really a big thing. And I remember looking at this artwork, which is just a big R on the cover, yeah. kind of thinking like, this kind of just looks like a demo or something. It just <laughs> seemed like an odd, odd yeah. artwork. And uh, But I mean, as soon as the music started, it was like, oh, okay, this is what I like. You know, it just immediately caught my attention, you know, just how fast it was and the guitar riffs and drumming and the catchiness of it. So it didn't take long to get over the artwork to realize this would be a band that that I would enjoy. Yeah. See, for me, like I, I definitely remember being kind of taken by that artwork in a similar sense where it's like, what? Like that that's interesting, I guess. It's 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 bold, I suppose, but you know. Um but the first time I would have heard them was on uh the uh the compilation album Hello, We Are the Militia Group, uh oh, yeah. volume volume one from the militia group uh they had an acoustic i was looking at the the track listing and i was like really it was just an acoustic song that was on here but it was uh an acoustic version of in my eyes which maybe was ended up being on um like the extended version or deluxe edition or whatever of uh their first record i can't remember perhaps i suppose yeah but like i'm just wondering that that could even be your answer perhaps i suppose it was on there (laughs) um but yeah like i i'm trying to think because i know they did do if I if I'm correct, they did like a 
a deluxe version of that album yeah because like the the, um, the yeah, original I release think. is like red and gold right right yeah with the backwards art and then they have one that's black and gold which is the one i have is the one that's black and gold uh i'm just well, like on spotify the black and gold one is still the 2000 oh no this one it says came out 2001 but yeah it has um like some original demo versions of songs on there i don't know if yeah. any of those are acoustic but yeah i don't know either i like i have it i haven't uh looked at the track listing on it okay. in a while but um but so that that was definitely my introduction to the band was uh perhaps i suppose and the funny thing is is as far as i knew that was the band that was rufio that was all they had released like i didn't i didn't follow up with them um and so it's interesting because I'm looking at their their discogs right now, and I just noticed so like that came out on the Militia Group, and then their next two releases run Nitro Records, yeah, and then back to the Militia Group for their for their final one, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, we like, get in get into that in the interview, kind of the ups yeah, ups and downs and back and forth of that because that's kind of I mean, there's a few bands that have done that where they leave a label and come back. Um, yeah, just in, interesting stories around that. So yeah, and so when you sent me so we're, we're gonna you sent me five songs and we're gonna do this a little different we're not really gonna like we would on a normal episode go through like each song um i think we're just gonna approach it as more of a i mean those uh, were those your five favorite songs that you sent me yeah so yeah like a band like this so yeah i guess with rufio so i really got into this album and then i remember their second album coming out it's called 1985 but it's spelt in roman yeah. numerals or whatever yeah. i was literally just looking at it going i wonder what that is and i was like yeah figuring it out. <laughs> and so i like i remember that coming out but like i don't i kind of missed most of their discography i mean i kind of touched on it here and there but i don't know kind of in my mind i thought that they just kind of progressed to a different sound after that first album. Mm -hmm. So when I went back to these, I realized, okay, they're like, it's definitely not as far as I thought it was, you know, the, the album 1985, it's still, still sounds the same. It's still fast technical. Yeah. Um, and so with my, my favorite songs, it was kind of going. So in preparation for my conversation with Clark, I was listening through the albums just so I kind of had a bit more reference of them. And kind of realized like, oh man, like there's a lot of really good songs here that I kind of missed out on. Yeah. So these are favorite songs, but kind of like recent favorites. So, well, and it, and it's interesting because again, the only record I knew was perhaps I suppose, and that was the only record I I in my mind thought they even put out. Like I don't remember hearing much about them after that. But so the songs that you sent, uh, the first one was off that first record. It's called Still. And then you sent me two songs off of The Comfort of Home, which is their third record. Yeah. Which that came out. When did that come out? Oh, I tried to I tried to scroll over and I just scrolled. Uh, 2005. 2005. And then, so you sent me two songs off that. You sent me Out of Control and Life Songs. And then you sent me two off of Anybody Out There, uh, being Under 18 and Gold and Silver. And so what I found to be interesting is because even though I own perhaps, I suppose I've never, I, I thrifted it and, and it was actually rather recent in the last, I'd say six or seven months. Yeah. And anytime I listened to it, I could never really fully get into it. Like there's a lot on it that reminds me of say like sick of change, especially yeah. vocally, like the, they just really like layering the harmonies and bringing those in. And obviously they're both technical bands. I think Rufio, um, 
probably more proficient in their technicality maybe at least like bringing it through all of their songs yeah um but i've I still there's been some songs on that record that i've been able to get into and then not a ton still was one of them that i was able to get into from the first time i heard it i think just like that bass intro kind yeah of you in of immediately, course. right uh but then what i find listening to it and even in the the comfort of home record like the songs that you sent me i was kind of like okay like i don't mind it it's it's decent but as soon as anybody out there the two songs off that record came on i just went whoa like they i'd be interested to go through for myself and listen to all like actually listen to those records because anybody out there for me is just like miles above the songs that i've heard off of their earlier stuff like all of a sudden something clicked whether it was working with a specific producer whether it was just having it maybe i don't know that they'd have a bigger budget going back to the militia group versus nitro records but you know like what was playing into it but all of a sudden it just like clicked for me and so that record i actually went through it a few times over the last couple days and it was you know the introduction was based off of those two songs that you included off or on the playlist that, that you made. And um, yeah, so I'm interested to kind of hear, you know, in the interview, which is obviously coming up that, you know, like the progression in, in sort of what played into where, where they were and where they got to. Cause um, it is, I, I sent you, what was the, I want to, what were the exact. It, like started off, started off. Okay. Ended much better. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I still need to do notes. Here's your notes. It started off okay, and it ended. Oh, I've scrolled past it, but and it ended. Oh yeah, here's a refresher. Starts okay, finishes really well. Like yeah. in regards to the five songs that you sent, and obviously I listened to them in order of how they would have been released. But um, yeah, man. So do you want to? Well, I mean, yeah, I've got a, a few a few things to touch on. We said so with the sick of change thing. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I believe the original sick of change bass player is the bass player in Rufio. Oh, that's cool. And so, and I think that's come up in different conversations with the Sick of Change guys over the last year. Right. So you can definitely see similar interests, similar musical path, you know, yeah. which is, you know, usually a bass player isn't the one that brings a bunch of influence. Um, right. You know, right. but however that works. Um, yeah. What's interesting about that last album, anybody out there? Yeah. Fantastic album. I definitely slept on that. Um, I love that album. I've listened through it a bunch since since talking with Clark. Um, so I don't want to give everything away, but that one. So there was a five year break between um, anybody home, or uh, sorry, the comfort of home and anybody out there. Right. So basically, within that time, they kind of broke up, um, but then kind of realized they still wanted to do some music. So it was just Clark and Scott Sellers, the singer and guitar mm -hmm. player. And uh, so they ended up coming back to do that last album, basically just the two of them. And uh, so they, they kind of had some friends help out playing instruments and touring around that time. So it's, yeah, really interesting that, you know, what may, might be their best album or our favorites, you know, is essentially just the two guys after a five-year break yeah. realizing, hey, we still have songs we really like. We want to put it together. You know, they didn't really tour on it a whole bunch since then. And so I was trying to think of other bands, you know, where that's been the case. You know, I think of um, MXPX, Plans Within Plans, where, mm -hmm. you know, same kind of thing. You know, they've kind of taken a break. 
they weren't touring full time, you know, kind of a mic essentially wrote that album and recorded it, you know, with the help of the guys or whatever. And, right. you know, we, we had mentioned, we both really liked that album. And so it's just, yeah, it's cool how sometimes that can happen where, you know, either it comes from a break or a hiatus, you know, maybe it's just one or two of the members really focusing on it. And just the songs that come out of that um, can still be really good, which yeah, it's just a, a unique perspective on, on songwriting and putting albums out and, Right. Do any other bands come to mind for um, you that have done that? Oh, that have done that. Um, like even, I mean, even think of like Goldfinger, right? You know, they were kind of around for a long time right. and then were yeah. kind of gone and then came back with that, the album, The Knife, you know, again, different musicians, yeah. but awesome album, like good kind of modern sound. And then they've kind of been busy ever since. But uh, yeah. And as you're saying that, I was also looking up to see who the, the crossover member was between sick of change and Rufio and it was John Barry. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, which is interesting. Cause John Barry is, uh, he, well, not that John Barry, but a John Barry where I live was like a long time media personality here in Edmonton. That's uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. When I first moved up here, he took me out. He's like, we're going to go out for wings and beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks John Barry. Um, but yeah, thinking about bands where, getting back together after a while, realizing they, I don't know. Like, I mean, MXPX obviously uh, is an interesting one, especially because like Mike definitely tried to keep it going in the meantime. Yeah. Um, at least with like the MXPX all-star stuff, as far as touring is concerned. Uh, hmm. I'd have to think about that one. I'm sure it's, it's happened a few times, but, uh, but yeah, like it is interesting for them to come back. And so you're saying it was just the two of them, that were work that worked on that album. Yeah. The writing is concerned. So yeah. like that, that's interesting to me. Cause I wonder if, you know, cause and on, especially that again, the only record I'm super familiar with was the first one, perhaps I suppose. And sometimes I'd be listening to it feeling like it was like lacking a little direction. Now, I don't know if part of that is because obviously a, they were a young band, a fairly new band at that time. Um, so, you know, they're, they're still growing and figuring that out. But I also wonder if another part of that was just, you know, when you look at that final record, it's just two of them just being more focused, right? Like, and obviously they'd had time and they'd, they'd gained experience and whatever. So um, I'm A-OK with that. And it's a, it's a record that I'll, I'll go back to now. But there is, it's funny because with the song, I think it was the song Under 18, uh, the entire time I was listening to it, every time it came on, I was like, what song does this remind me of because it reminds me of a song and mm. i don't know what it is and when it would like hit the chorus i wouldn't be singing other words but there'd be like a melody or a harmony that i'm like taking from another song where i'm like oh i wish i could figure it out like that lead riff like the opening riff of the song reminds me of something i never the problem is i didn't like have enough of a, of an idea to like even start looking. It was just like something that was in the back of my brain going, this is something, but I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I was listening to them, one band that came to mind was autopilot off. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a lot of the kind of the melodies and kind right. of the hooks. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely a few parts in there that reminded me of that. Yeah. I think like the band, I want to say like the, that the opening riff on under 18 reminds oh. me of, that comes like the one that jumps to the front is slick shoes, but I can't like specify a song. Cause I think that opening riff is something like, you know, like sort of like quick shots followed by a little, a little line shots, line sort of thing, which yeah. sounds like they're just 
you know, taking shots and doing lines. But <laughs> when I say it that way, a couple quick shots followed by a line, a couple quick shots. That sounds like a regular Tuesday night for you, Aaron. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know, but I, I did really enjoy that that latest record and which is it's funny it shouldn't have surprised me because like scott sellers has been releasing music like nobody's business yeah the past couple years right so it's not like that's a voice and a sound that i've been missing in the sense that i've heard a lot of his i don't know if i've heard his most recent stuff necessarily because there's so much stuff he's releasing but i've heard a lot of his stuff within the past few years so i've heard where he is as a songwriter right but um yeah no it's it's uh it was good. So did you want to, can you, can you tee up the interview a little bit? Let us know what people yeah. can expect. So side note here, maybe you need to delete this. I just realized I don't even have my microphone in front of me. Right now. <laughs> well, um, so, that's I guess funny. I just have the zoom audio. I've got the zoom audio. You, yeah. you just look so much nicer without the microphone stuck. Well, in I know. That's what I was like. Oh, this feels that I looked over. I'm like, Oh, there's the mic. Did you and actually? I'm, Hit I hit record, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I'm, if you could send me your room noise, and uh, I'll just mix really? it in. <laughs> yeah. Well, now people know why you sound so different. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Hopefully that's loud enough and not weird. My bad. I'm, I'm glad I decided to hit record on Zoom because I almost didn't. <laughs> oh, shoot. But I did. Yeah. I did. That's a win. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a Sunday night win. Unless um, you could just crank up the room noise, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll sound great. <laughs> anyway sorry about that <laughs> go ahead tee up the interview <laughs> yeah so yeah like we i mean we've kind of been going back and forth the last while kind of trying to like talk with scott on the show just with all the music he's been putting out and uh anyways he he was busy and so i had i had hit up clark uh who who's one of the lead guitar players and he was down to do it, and so we were kind of chatted back and forth, and um, yeah, it was it was really cool just hearing, you know, kind of because they, you know, they put out perhaps I suppose, and it seemed like pretty quickly they were gaining recognition. You know, they like some of the, I think he said like some of their first tours. Um, I can't remember. He, he says who it was, but like these huge tours they were on, like right away. And like touring overseas and, and uh, just the, the differences of touring the States and overseas. And yeah. And so just, you know, and then going, you know, they did that first time on militia and then jumping to, to nitro and working with Dexter Holland from the offspring who, who ran that label and, yeah. and just his involvement in the band and kind of what that was like having such an influential person kind of mentoring them. And, and uh, yeah, so that was a really unique um, story for them. And then just yeah, the ups and downs of touring and spending lots of time with band members and kind of realizing, you know, the differences um, that are within a band when you spend that much time together and how that can either, you know, pull you together closer or kind of draw you apart. And uh, what I found really interesting is I can't remember which album it is, but it's almost like, you know, there was there was a few of them kind of butting heads within the band and they kind of dealt with it by writing songs about it kind of towards each other, the band. And so I just thought that was unique. It's like, you know, why didn't you just like work it out amongst yourselves? But I guess in their case, songwriting was the way to do that, even though they were still in the band together at that point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then just kind of what happened with, you know, a few of the band members leaving, you know, finding they'd had enough. And uh, I, I touch on kind of the tour that they broke up on or the tour that was supposed to happen 
was with a band they had never played before, a really prominent band. Maybe I'll just leave that a secret. Um, but just the disappointment of, you know, like we're getting to tour with this band. Oh, no, now we're actually breaking up and we can't do it. Yeah. And then they never got a chance to play with that band again. And uh, yeah, then, you know, taking that break and then coming back and writing this album. And uh, to go back to your point, um, you know, about just the two of them and kind of how that plays off each other. You know, I think there is something about when you kind of know it's going to be your last album. I feel like there's bands like this that I love where it's like, hey, guys, we're breaking up. You know, we're going to do one last tour and one last album. And oftentimes that album is is their best because, you know, they've kind of got nothing to lose. Right. And they just want to put everything into it, knowing that it doesn't matter what critics say or the media or their fans. They just kind of do the album that they want to do. And not that their last album is significantly different, but it's it's really good. So I don't know if that actually played into it or not. But mm. yeah, so that's kind of the brief overview. Sweet. Well, that's going to come up in just a few. I'm just going to do the housekeeping stuff real quick. And then um, it's going to be time for the interview. So go follow us on uh, social media at Growing Punk Pod, Twitter, Instagram. You'll find us there. Uh, you can also find us growingpunkpod.com, obviously, wherever you're listening to the show. Uh, share it with your friends, subscribe, stay up to date, uh, all that good stuff. But, yeah, man, this is uh, this is going to be Aaron's interview with Clark from Rufio. to start these these episodes with a with a fun fact to try and you know dig up something on the band that i'm talking to that i didn't know or something interesting um so it says here that um, in january 2006 a few members of the band left you guys were just about to tour with no use for a name um but that didn't happen and so i was curious as if to if you guys had actually broken up or you just were going through some member loss or what's kind of the story behind that so i remember um a, to- a few tours before that, our trailer got stolen in Montreal, and it had all our gear and suitcases and whatever. And so we were driving home, and it was kind of a rough drive. And then we did one more tour after that, and uh, there was already kind of this internal conflict, I guess. Okay. And uh, we're driving home. I remember we're in, we're in California, the five uh, coming home from I don't know, North North Cal somewhere, and John had. Said, hey, I'm done with the band. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And Mike immediately said, yeah, me too. So we literally just broke up on the drive home. Wow. And that was right before that No East tour. I think we did a Japan tour right after. We already committed to it, but that was it. Okay. Yeah. Man, that's that's a bummer. So you missed touring with No East for a Name. That must have been such a disappointment. Had you guys ever toured with them before? Was this your only time? Never. And they're a great band. Oh, man. That must Uh, have been such a bummer. 
for sure. More Betterness, fantastic album. Yeah. Was it not a situation where you could just find like fill-ins really quick to do the tour, or that would have just been too stressful? We, we kind of had a friendship pact. This is, sounds weird, but it was basically if anybody leaves that was original, it was done. Hmm. Yep, well, that's fair. Man, and uh, what, what a tour to have to, to pass on. I know. I'm surprised the guys didn't change their mind, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, not many bands get to have a band like No Use for a Name kind of out them as, as breaking up, you know? Yeah, no, it wasn't <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't their fault. It was just uh, a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's how those kind of things happen, right? There's I've heard lots where, you know, just because there's great opportunities, it's not necessarily enough to, to keep certain guys in bands depending on, you know, what the conflicts of our are, whether it's within the band or outside of the band, like sometimes it's just things got to be done when they got to be done. So unfortunately, uh-huh, I guess uh-huh. you just lose those opportunities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so second of all, I, I wanted to, you know, I like to bring up a live memory if I've seen the band. So unfortunately, I don't think I've ever gotten to see Rufio live. We were just chatting here before we hit record that um, you guys had toured Canada. Um is that is that true? Like you, you said you had played in Regina. I don't we remember have, that, yeah. but yeah, that's what was that tour like? What, what we, was your thoughts on touring Canada? We actually played Canada a lot. Uh, Canada was always really good to us. We had great shows there. Vancouver, we played in Guelph. Oh yeah, uh, London, Ottawa. I mean, everywhere. Montreal City or not Montreal City, Quebec City. Um, but we did play Regina though. I, I think it was with MXPX and Reliant K. But I could be wrong. I remember it was freezing. Yeah, well, lots lots of touring in Canada is freezing. <laughs> well, and one of the reasons why I like to ask is because, you know, especially for bands from the States, you know, they often, yeah, they'll go up the West Coast, they'll play Vancouver, you know, and then they'll do the East, you know, Ontario, Toronto, all those cities there. But oftentimes they won't, you know, go all the way across, which is where mm-hmm. I'm at in, in Saskatchewan. And so... I'm just always curious to if that's a band choice or if that's just a booking agent saying, you know, it's not worth it because there's so much, you know, space in between the cities and, and whatever. But, yeah, it sucks that I, I never got the opportunity to see you guys live. Yeah, I think that's definitely a booking agent thing because, you know, because Vancouver's by Seattle and then Toronto's by Detroit. So it's really accessible from, from the States. Yeah, yeah, you know, Edmonton, sure. Calgary's kind of far, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There are major centers. I mean, in Ontario, you know, there's a handful of big places you can play. Whereas here, you know, you play one city and then you got to drive, you know, five, six, sometimes eight hours to the next city. So, I, I totally get it. It's just, you know, it, it sucks not getting to see, you know, bands like you guys come through here. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm I'm spoiled in California. Everyone plays California. You just oh yeah, wait. of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the place to be. Yeah, well, getting into uh, some of your albums here. So perhaps I suppose was released in 2001 on the Militia Group. That album kind of seemed to blow up pretty quickly. I remember, you know, when I heard about it to when I started seeing your name all over the place. You know, what do you remember from that time and how were those few years kind of following that release? It was strange. I was still in high school. It came out when I think I was 16 or 17. Okay. And we, we weren't really able to tour because our drummer Mike was even younger than me. Oh wow! And we had to wait for him to be done, so we played all these random one-offs as far you know, as far as we can drive, which was Phoenix or San Francisco, basically. So we didn't really notice the rise until we went on tour because okay. we we're kind of stuck in this little corner. Um, 
Yeah, but it was it was it was great though. It was fun. It went a great time. Do you remember what some of those kind of earlier tours were, or like how did you start noticing people? Like, was the shows were getting bigger, or how did that all play out? We we were kind of lucky. I, I, like, we had a lot of big breaks early on. Our first tour was Strung Out. Uh, it was <sighs> Rise Against and oh, Poison the Well. Crazy. So we're the, over the first band, obviously, and, and we just we were able to go on all these giant tours. Second tour was Taking Back Sunday, brand new, and then Atari's Sugar Cold. So we were able to um, have all these great opportunities. So we got lucky. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Not many bands get you know get to start their you know touring careers like that. Had you guys done a lot of touring before releasing this album, or is this kind of your your major that was touring? A, those were our first actual tours. Like I said, like I said, we only did. Uh, uh, weekend shows prior to that so literally one show in arizona one show in tucson come home yeah yeah so. that's, yeah that's crazy yeah that must have been a great experience like just to pump you guys up and to kind of you know excite you like okay the album's out we're on these tours people are hearing our band like you know it just kind of helps to kind of propel you forward so to speak yeah definitely it was great and uh, all those bands were so great to us so that helped yeah that's the awesome are yelling can you hear them uh yeah a bit <laughs> Hey girls, can you guys rustle somewhere else? <laughs> Quieter. They're five and three, so you know. I'm gonna yeah. have kids, but yeah, I do. I got three. My youngest is, is seven. Um, so I'm a little past that that stage, but they still. I had to make sure my wife had the kids upstairs so they weren't thrashing around and causing a ruckus. Uh, like yeah, like my kids. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> All, all good, man. Um, yeah, so we yeah we won't touch too much more on this album because none of the songs you picked were from this. Um, so kind of moving on to the follow up, um, this album is called 1985. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of with the Roman numerals. So I just wanted to make sure that was uh, actually the actual pronunciation, I guess, of it. Um, yeah, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So what was the dynamic of the band like going into this? You guys had you know toured for a few years. You'd really grown as a band. What were you kind of hoping to achieve on this album? We had just signed to Nitro Records, so we only did one album with Militia Group. We right. signed to Nitro, which is owned by Dexter from The Offspring. Yeah. So it was kind of like this, we had a bigger budget, it was more resources, it was kind of our chance, I guess. Um, and we didn't really take that chance to write commercial rock, commercial songs. We still went, you know, fast technical, which is what we liked. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't push necessarily for us to write radio songs but I, it probably would have been a bigger success had we did it you know yeah how, we always just wrote songs that we liked yeah for sure how did that um partnership come about with nitro records let's see we you know there were a couple of labels interested in us at the time and nitro just kind of i think they just called us one day it was just kind of one of those things they wanted to sign up they had just sold afi i think okay maybe sold is the wrong word released AFI went to DreamWorks, so they're looking for a new band. So they 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 hit us up basically. Yeah, did you guys get to work with Dexter at all? Or like, how present was he with with the label at this point? He he was there all the time. We 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 used his practice studio in uh, like in Orange County somewhere. Wow. What what, what was that to... experience like? Hey, girls, girls, go downstairs. They're yelling now for sure. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Go on, what was it? Yeah, like, what was that experience like working with him? Like, because I mean, already the offspring was already huge at this point. Oh yeah, uh, they're massive. Know, like, like, was he pretty hands-on with you guys, or what was that relationship like? 
he wasn't hands on, but he would he would show up and you know uh, maybe say, oh, I like the harmony. This harmony here, he kind of say little suggestions here and there. He yeah. in no way tried to push anything though. He was okay. very just like do your thing, and he would watch and hang out. He was a nice guy. Yeah. Was there any any thought of like getting him to do a guest vocal or anything, or was he not into that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, it never came up. I, I don't know if we wanted to necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know? that's probably one of those things where it's like, man, it would be really cool to have you know his name on the song and have his voice there. But is that going to be kind of a too cliche thing for you know a nitro band to want to ask him to come on? Or I yeah. think maybe if he wasn't the owner of the label, it would we would have done it. But it seems weird when he you work with him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I'm just curious as to what his uh, what his vocal style would have been like on a Rufio song. It would have been kind of a, a cool contrast, I think. Yeah, maybe. So, 1985 was released in 2003, like you said, on Nitro Records. Um, so let's get into the song that you picked off this album, and you picked the song Goodbye. Goodbye, my lovely wife, you're shaking restless in thoughts. Goodbye, my lovely wife, you're making dreams come true. song definitely has that rufio sound um was that a, a conscious choice kind of when when writing this this album you know to um kind of progress from perhaps i suppose what were you kind of thinking um with this album um we worked with this guy nick raskalinix he actually worked with the foo fighters yeah yeah I've heard his name he's, a lot. A, he's, he's a great rock producer but he was all about that live energy that speed we were we, we were doing pre-production he had a metronome the whole thing would tell us go faster go faster huh. so some of these songs were outlandishly fast for the time and for us anyways yeah so that was one of those songs where it was like play faster do more riffs do this do that so it was like not in a demanding authoritative way but just in a fun in a fun way yeah so i, I think this song uh kind of kind of showed that i guess yeah so why does yeah. this song stand out to you from this album uh, I think I like this song because it doesn't really make sense. Hmm. Number one, uh, structurally, it's odd. You know, most songs go verse, pre-chorus, chorus, you know, 
verse, pre-chorus, chorus, a bridge. They, they end the song with the chorus again. This song is strange. It goes verse, verse. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It goes chorus, chorus, verse. I guess you could say it's a bridge. Back to the chorus. And it ends on a completely different part. Hmm. So it has this A-A-B-C-A-D song structure that is completely odd. And I think that's why I like it. It's to the point. There's no repetitive parts. It just goes boom, 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 done. Yeah. Well, it's a quick song. I mean, it's under two minutes. It kind of just comes and goes, but it definitely gets the job done. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's why I like it because there's no there's no BS. It's just let's just play let's just play the song super fast and then we're done with it. Yeah, and it, it, what's uh, cool about the song is it's you know towards it's almost at the end of the album too, which is always always cool to have a kind of a fast banger towards the end of the album just to kind of you know keep or end you know with that high energy. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, we ended the album with a slow song, which was kind of an odd choice looking back now, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, yeah, like at least it was kind of towards the end, right? Sometimes albums kind of, you know, start really fast and energetic, and then they kind of, you know, progress a bit slowly. Um, so it is cool, even though the last song is a slower one, you know, to have the second last one just kind of be a bit more in your face and, you know, kind of to wrap up the album a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Was that a, a song that you guys would play live typically? I don't think we ever played it live, to be honest. Oh, how come? I don't know why. We just never did. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of your favorite songs, though. <laughs> There's a handful of songs that we didn't play live. Oh, I I always get outvoted though. Oh, That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, by this point, you only had you know one full length before it, and so yeah, it's a, I guess there's they're still you know when you have ten, fifteen songs in an album, you can only play so many of them. Hey. Yeah, that's true. So the the follow up uh, to this one is the album is the Comfort of Home, which was released in two thousand five on Nitro. Um, how did this album come together? You know, by the, by now the band had was quite well known. You'd done a lot of touring. You know, what were your thoughts and hopes going into this album? I think it was kind of our let's try to make it album. Not necessarily, hey, we're gonna sell out and write a bunch of hits. It was more of like let's just write some good songs. Like they don't have to be fast or technical. Let's just write some songs kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we used uh, Mike Green. He was he worked with yeah, a yeah. friend of ours, Over It. Yeah. Over it. Oh, yeah. I love Over It. Yeah. They were great friends of ours. We, we toured with them, I don't know, 10, 12 times. So they used Mike Green. Their album came out great. So we used him for this album as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, what was that like writing? You know, you've done two albums that were pretty, you know, fast, technical, like you said. What was that like as a writer, you know, trying to come up with something different? Did that come naturally or was it, you know, did you feel pressure to do that? What was that, that dynamic like? I, I think a lot of it for this album was kind of John. John always co-wrote a lot of the songs. Okay. But I think he definitely was going through a different phase where he wanted to break off, do his own thing. Uh, and, and, and you kind of hear that in the song. It's like a lot of lyrics are about, um, John wanted to go and play in different bands or, you know, write different style of songs and Scott's songs are about how everybody's kind of against him. Hmm. So you can hear kind of the internal battle starting in this album. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the different sounds are coming from. I think it's a little bit more of an emotional album yeah. compared to the other ones where we're just playing as fast as we can. So what was that like for you as, uh, as uh, you know, the guitar player or one of the guitar players in the band, you know, with somebody else writing, you know, maybe it's a bit different style. Is that, you know, you're, you're kind of cool with that or what's that like? You know, it, I, I actually thought it was cool. Cause Mike, I feel like in the past, you know, I, I kind of like fell into punk, I suppose I, I I'd listened to it, but I wasn't super into it. Like the other guys were. Okay. 
Um, so it was challenging for me to write, you know, punk guitar riffs because not not really that good at it. But this album, Mike Green, he really pushed for, oh, just play rock riffs. You want to play some leads, do it. You want to do some weird, cool. He kind of supported it, which 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 I thought was was different for us, but I liked it. It wasn't that everybody was against how I wrote guitars, but it was just a different way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. Did you notice much of like not necessarily backlash, but like fans' reaction to this album? I yeah, I think so. I think a lot of fans were disappointed it wasn't fast. And there were there was maybe one or two fast songs on there, but they wanted that fast, you know, Rufio sound. I, I think this was our least popular, I would think. I'm I'm not actually sure, but yeah, I mean, it's such a good album, though. I was I was just listening to it this week, and you know, it's it definitely brings you know more of that maturity and dynamic to the songs. You know, it's a bit more mid pace, but it's still to me, it still sounds like Rufio. The songs are super catchy. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, it's not like it strayed that far, but I guess if you know, if your breakout album is you know one style of you know punk, so to say, then I guess people just assume you're going to stay that way, you know, the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand because I was pretty upset when Metallica put out uh, uh, what was that one? Oh man, I'm the not a one... huge Metallica fan, so I'm the wrong guy to ask. Oh, they put out <laughs> this album that I was so upset, and it was slow, and it was rock, and it was commercial sounding, and it wasn't Injustice for All. Oh, okay, you know? so I wanted that fast metal, so I totally get what people are saying. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same too. If a band changes their sound drastically, but when I listen to this album, it doesn't it doesn't sound that drastically different. But I guess everyone has different, you know, perceptions of what is different, right? So sure, sure. I guess yeah. I I think it's cool that you guys you know took that opportunity to kind of push yourselves a bit and and see what see what you were capable of. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it. It was fun. So the first song that we're going to talk about is is Life Songs. Taught me so much. 
This is a super catchy, upbeat song. Lots of cool dynamic and shifts to it. Makes for a very fun listen and, and easy to sing along to. What does uh, this song stand out to you? Uh, so this song, so I like this song because it plays with keys a lot. So yeah. it starts off in A minor, and then the uh, right away it goes into the verse, and the verse is A major. So go, it goes back and forth with A, a minor and A major. Mm, yeah, uh, that's cool. Chorus comes in, it's A minor again, and then the bridge does. Uh, it's in A minor, I believe. But there's one major note. Anyways, it 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 kind of toys with uh, with the key, which I like. So it's it's, it's very unique for us. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Yeah, that's awesome. Was this one that you guys got to play live? We did play this one live. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Here, the next one you have is uh, Let Fate Decide. the song again to it when i listened to it I, I just kept thinking like this has a really great groove to it it's not necessarily like a groove oriented song but um just something about it kind of kept my head bopping and yeah r- really great song why is this a favorite of yours off the album and that that's actually why is mike our drummer he was always very good at he plays drums like a song 
which makes sense because today he writes songs all the time. Okay. <laughs> but, um, it, 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 so I like it because he he thought out every fill, he thought out every kick, every snare, and you could tell because it has this very structured beat to it, which I love. So it's just kind of straight rock. There's no there's no flares, nothing crazy. It's just it's just a nice groove. Yeah. Which is why? Which, which uh, it, but it, but it's still kind of riffy, you know, not crazy. So yeah, that was why I picked that one. It's also, you know what, too lyrically I like it because it's kind of a, it's kind of like I said earlier about the internal conflicts. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of hear that. the lyrics. It's Scott kind of talking about like, oh, you know, we built this whole thing and here we are, and you want to destroy it. It's just kind of metaphor for, for everyone kind of against him, which wasn't always true, but he felt that's how he felt. I okay. Guess. So yeah. it's very, it's very, it's more emotional. I feel than our other songs. Yeah. So was there like you're kind of alluding to there being kind of different tensions within the band at this point? Like, is this something that's more internal or is it kind of sh- starting to show itself? I mean, this is the one, the album, you know, you put out before your, your initial breakup. Um, how prevalent was that kind of in your day to day of the band? Uh, there wasn't, I don't know if there was a lot of fighting or anything, but there's definitely tension. There's, there's definitely parts where, you know, Scott wants to do this. John wants to do this. And then Scott writes lyrics about, you know, uh, this is our band. Why would you break it up? And John's writing songs about how he wants to leave the band. And you can, and if you hear these songs side by side, it's kind of funny. It's, yeah. It's, it's almost like a rap battle or something. <laughs> That's such a unique dynamic. Like, did that not come up in the songwriting phase, you know, where there was a time to be like, hey, like, should we work through this? Or was it just a way to be able to kind of express themselves and it just kind of had to happen that way? I feel like I thought we, I think we all assumed John was going to quit soon. So I never brought it up. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah, it's such a such an interesting dynamic. I mean, you're you're living, you know, together in a van or whatever, all these months on tour. And so it makes sense, right? Those tensions are there. And I guess just depending on the personalities of the band members, you know, you can either, I guess, deal with it or... or or deal with it in a way like this that's kind of, you know, passive aggressive in a way, but I guess if it still makes for for good songwriting then you just go for it. Yeah. I mean being in a band's like having having um a bunch of girlfriends at once and you just fight the whole time, you know? Yeah. Or it can be. I guess you just have to uh, talk behind each other's back instead of confronting <laughs> it and keeping all the girls happy. <laughs> <laughs> the next song you picked here was a simple line. Anybody listening on 
this has a really unique guitar riff to start the song and the verses. And then it does this cool change up, you know, what sounds to be the chorus. It almost sounds like there's a tempo change or something, maybe a time signature change. Uh, is that is that accurate or is it just kind of the flow of the song is broken up in a unique way? Well, the the beat definitely changes throughout the song, but I think the most notable change are, are the key changes. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So it was another one where we kind of played with keys, and a lot of this was Mike Green's ideas because he he was all about key changes too. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it starts in, I want to say it's C major, and then the next time it comes back, it's B flat, and the next time it's A flat, and then it comes back to B flat. So it kind of just goes back and forth the whole time. Yeah. Um, we were always related to Chicago and these these bands like like Beach Boys where they have all these key changes everywhere. Yeah. So. I, I like this song for that reason because we we play with the keys much like the Beach Boys would. Obviously not as good as the Beach Boys, but it's still same kind of ideas. Yeah. You know. Well, that's I mean it's hard to do good key changes, you know, especially where the vocal lines can match it, right? Like the typical key change, you know, on a pop punk band or whatever is, you know, just to do a key change for a second chorus or something, but you know, where it's kind of going in and out of the songs and you know, it's not just doing a key change to repeat the same part but i don't know it just adds these cool layers to the song and i just when i hear this song it's like man that's just kind of unique for for this style i wouldn't say i can you know pick a bunch of other songs that that do something similar to this yeah that's that's why i thought it was was a cool song and also like uh what it's about is kind of funny i don't know if i just say this on the air but i'm going to anyways yeah go for it uh it's about so if you listen if you read the lyrics it's about you know, this time of, 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 you know, indie rock, emo, whatever you want to call it, a lot of these, there are a lot of co- copycat bands. Is that the right word? Yeah. You know, you have all the main bands and you have a hundred bands that sound just like them, but yeah, aren't yeah. as big or as good, right? And um, so this, this is kind of about that, where they don't care about songs, they care about image, they care about their hair and their clothes, and the songs just aren't that good, because that's not what they're about, right? Yeah. So Simple Line's kind of about that. Um, but what's funny, though, is... We had a specific band in mind when we wrote this, who I'm not going to say. But later that day, when we recorded it. We ran into them at a Deftones concert, and it was oh. hilarious. Because <laughs> John started laughing. We started laughing. It was, and they had no idea why we were laughing. But I'm not going to say who it was. It's me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all good. Like a band that like, was trying to copy you guys or something? No, no, they weren't copying us by any means. Oh, they okay. were just a band that was we thought wasn't authentic. Oh, I see. In that style of music, they were just doing it to be cool, and I don't know them, so I don't know if that's true. That could easily not be true. That's yeah. how they sounded to us at the time. Well, yeah. that, that's the thing, you know, when you're spending so much time on the road and seeing so many bands, and you're seeing, you know, bands come and go, and new bands getting signed. Like, I think that's just kind of part of it, right? Like, I, I've I've had a number of bands on here where you know their friends who sound similar to them, you know, blow up, you know, get a bunch more exposure than they do. And so it's just, you know, sometimes that's just kind of the music scene. There's so many bands coming and going and, and which ones are going to get good or not, you know, regardless of if they're copying or original or, or whatever, right? And so, yeah. but it, it's hard when you're, you know, a band like Rufio that's working hard to, to put out good albums that are original and unique to themselves. And, and then you see these other kind of musicians, even if it's a different style, right? It just kind of takes away from that integrity. It's like, you know, there's bands, sure. we're trying to work hard here, like, you know, put the same effort in but you know I, like, like you said you, you can't um you can't dictate those things right so i mean i'm sure there are bands before us who said oh rufio's a copy of 
some 41 or, or, you know, whatever, whoever. So, you know, it's just perspective, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know what? One of the reasons why I, I loved Roof Fear when I first heard it is because it it didn't remind me of another band immediately. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of like skate punk bands and, you know, bands like Strung Out that were more riff oriented, but Rufio kind of had the riffs, but still kept it really melodic and, you know, was it was almost like faster than some of those bands. So yeah, I, yeah, you're always going to be influenced by someone and influence someone else. So that's, that's just a part of music. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Another, uh, the song also has these, I don't know if you'd call them like guitar squeals, but there's this this really cool guitar part. It's it's almost kind of faint in the song, but I I don't know when I was listening to this, I was like, oh man, that just adds so much to the song. Do you, do you know what part is I'm talking the, about? Is that on the bridge? Uh yeah, I, I didn't uh, take like a stamp, but it's just it's not like a like a metal guitar squeal, but I don't know. I'm I'm explaining it badly. Well, there <laughs> is no well not, no. I think you're right on the bridge. We do some pinch harmonics on there, and they're yeah, kind of yeah. quiet. So you would need to 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 listen, I think, to to notice it because they're not that obvious. No, yeah, I think you're right though. Yeah, well, it's there enough that I was like, oh, that's sweet. That's just a cool little, you know, kind of metally riffy kind of part in there that I thought added a lot to the song. So that was really cool. You know, what's cool too is I was taking violin lessons at the time, and my violin teacher played on that song. Oh, little wow. violins in it. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, she was super really nice cool. and, and drove out just to do it. So that was cool. Moving on now to the album Anybody Out There, where we released 2010 back on the Militia Group. You know, so five years have now passed since the last album. You know, you guys obviously took a break, broke up. We're like, well, what happened in that time? Like, how did the band get back together and, you know, back on Militia Group, all that stuff? Um. So what were we doing? We broke up in 06. Scott and I still did overseas tours with other members. Okay. So we broke that friendship clause we had earlier because we played uh, Brazil overseas, whatever, with different members. Okay. Yep. Um, we did that for a few years. And then uh, Scott and I were dabbling in this little side project, um, Big City. And I, we talked about it briefly. Yeah. But uh, it didn't really work out. And then Scott said, you know what? Let's just do one more Rufio album instead. So that's kind of what started it. We're kind of jamming again. Okay. And then we said, yeah, let's do this one more album. And then we got some buddies of ours, Taylor, who was just a close friend. Um, and this guy, Terry, who I worked with at some point, who was a f- phenomenal drummer. Oh, that's yeah, qu- quite a change. So kind of taking it back a step there, what was that like touring, you know, especially overseas with just kind of one of the band guys you'd been spending so much time with and then two new guys? Was that dynamic, you know? Was there less tension in there, you know, having guys that were kind of just hired hands, you know, so to speak, playing? Or what was that like? I think not having the pressure of trying to make it made it more fun. Hmm. You, you, you're not trying to, like, we knew at this point, oh, we're not going to make this our jobs forever. Yeah. So let's just go out there and have a great time. So that 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 took the pressure off. But the guys that we had substitute, this guy, Alex, he played in Yellow Card, and we toured with Yellow Card with him in it. Okay. Uh, he played with us for a little bit. And then this guy, Nate Walker, played with us for a little bit. Uh, he, I don't know how we met him. I think he was a friend of Alex. I don't remember how he met Nate, but he's also a great guy. So it was it was fun. It was good. Yeah. Do you remember who those tours were with? Uh, a lot of them we headlined. Uh, we did one with MXPX, and we did Chile and Brazil. Oh, a couple of awesome. places down there. We did one in Japan and Australia with Tonight Alive. Oh, yeah. Um. 
I don't remember the other ones to be honest. I'll, a lot of local bands too, so that that was cool. Yeah, yeah. What what was that? Uh, you know, what's that like touring overseas versus touring in the states? It's different. I remember the first time we played Brazil. It was strange. We would leave, and the crowd would mob you. Yeah, like a zombie movie. And we had to run to the van and jump through the window and take off. And they were trying to push the van over. It didn't. It was <laughs> unreal. We're like, what is this? And it's not like that in the states. By any oh, yeah. not for us, anyways. Yeah. So it it felt like a, a bigger deal. I mean, they don't have American bands come out as much, obviously. So I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. So it either feels like they really like you or they don't, and they're running you out of town. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen it lots on different band documentaries, like just the the differences from overseas and you know the hunger for music you know like you said lots of bands are coming over there and so it's it's cool you know there's been a lot of bands over the years where you know they're from the states or from Canada and you know they have some exposure here not a huge fan base but they'll be huge in Europe or Japan or some other random country and it's just such a such an interesting dynamic yeah it is and you hear stories about Japan sorry just- uh, do you ever hear stories about playing in Japan? Not from not Rufio stories, just stories in general about playing in Japan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just kind of the crazy fans, and or I mean, there's a few well, things I've heard that they're like they're really quiet in between songs and like yes, super polite. And yes, I, I, I was getting to that. Be, okay. between songs, <laughs> it's completely silent. Yeah, it's it's the oddest thing, but it's a respect thing, right? Yeah. So there's no cheering at all. They just stand, no. listen, and then they're done. They will mosh and scream and and, and and just and be crazy. Once that song ends, complete silence. They stop whatever they're doing and just stare at you. Uh, I guess you got to figure out how to play your set without stopping. Then just keep it, <laughs> yeah, just just keep it going. Straight, <laughs> just play straight through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that is definitely uh, different. I feel like touring the states, it's almost the opposite, where people will just like stand there and just like talk through your band. Sure. Just set right like it's yeah a very very unique dynamic for sure well that's cool sure. that you had mm-hmm. that that opportunity because there's a lot of bands that that don't get that right they might be able to tour north america extensively but you know getting overseas is kind of that next level and we were definitely spoiled and lucky yeah so how did it come back you know to working with militia group on this album was it just because you'd work with them on the first one and they were happy to, to release this for you well we actually technically owed nitro an album okay so uh, but they weren't really a label anymore because they, uh, you know, because music labels kind of just faded out anyways. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we wanted it released and Wilson said they would do it basically. So we we just, we got out of our contract with Nitro and, 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 and they just put it out for us. Okay. Well, Chad's awesome. I'm sure he was uh, happy to have you guys back. Yeah. And we still talk to Rory all the time. I mean, not really as much anymore, but at the time we were, we were, talking, we were talking to Rory all the time. So it, so it wasn't weird at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sweet. What was the uh, recording process like for this album? So you said it was just you and Scott, like you guys recorded the whole thing yourselves, or the other guys you had helped as well. On uh, anybody out there? Yeah. No, on this one we did. Uh, they were all there. Oh, okay. Like uh, all the original guys were back for this one. No, no, no. It was Terry, Terry, and Taylor. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Um, Scott engineered it though. We did it at a studio out in Ranch Cucamonga where we live, that Scott works at. Um. And we did it there, and Scott did all the engineering, all the tracking, everything. Okay, awesome. So it was kind of cool. Um, and John was there a little bit for the for like his input and stuff. Okay, what was the uh, like kind of energy going into this? Just knowing, you know, just such a different dynamic to, 
you know, doing it yourselves, not having the other guys around. Um, yeah, what, what was kind of the thoughts behind this one? It was kind of nice not having um, label guys there, you know, or like all the big guys coming in all the time. It was just us. So it was kind of nice. It was different. It was a definitely, definitely more of a lax process. Yeah. Yeah, well, which is which is nice sometimes, right? Like you've you've kind of gone through ups and downs by this point, and so you know, especially with it being your your last full length, you know, it's a it's kind of a cool way to to end that that part of your career. Yeah. The song you picked off of this album is uh, the title track, "Anybody Out There." super catchy song you know it's in the middle of the album which is kind of unique for for uh, a title track how did you guys decide on on the placement of the song you know i couldn't tell you i'm pretty sure scott just did it yeah why does this song stand out to you what do you remember about putting this song together um well i i remember this th- uh this song is really cool chorus which i liked yeah um, but i also liked because it kind of has two choruses because the the first chorus is, uh, it's, it's the line, who's the monster? It almost could be a pre-chorus, I guess, but it's very catchy like a chorus. And then after that, it goes into the title of the song, which is Anybody Out There. And so that's kind of the chorus, but it's really short. Yeah. So it kind of feels like there's two, is why I say there's two, two chorus, which is why I like it. It has like a really good structure to it. It's the opposite of Goodbye. 
this one's more structured, more of a formula. Yeah. Um, I, uh, there's some cool parts on it. The lead guitar on the chorus is a slide. So we did some kind of unique things on it. I mean, they're not super unique, but yeah, different unique from what for us. Doing. Yeah. Say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys promote this album much? Like, were you, did you tour at all after this, or was this just kind of, you know, the end for the band? You know, we did a we did a tour, a West Coast tour. We went up to Seattle and back, and on the drive home, uh, we got into a head-on collision uh, in oh, Nevada, wow. and we and we flipped the RV that we were, we were in. Wow. Um, it was a pretty bad accident. Uh, nobody was really bad, and people were injured, but nothing major on our end. The guy who hit us actually died. Wow. So that was obviously unfortunate. But um so for me, when that happened, it was 2010. I think I was not old, 27, 28 or so. Yeah. But it, we were just like, I I don't know if I want to do this anymore. If if you know if 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 this is what's touring like again, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of the end for me with that with the wreck, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, lots lots has, has shifted and continues to shift in the music scene and so you know, and you get to an age where it's like, okay, you know, I'm almost into my 30s. You know, do I still have what it takes to do this? And it's it's a hard. I mean, you guys have been going for you know like 10, 10 years by now or so. Like, yeah, um, about that. Uh huh. Yes. So I mean, that's yeah, that's a great great amount of time. Four full lengths. You know, um, you guys did release um, like the Lonely SDP, and um, was that after this or was that before this was put out? <laughs> I think it was before. I think okay. we did that to hype up this. Okay. Yeah, that was that was an awesome EP. I remember when that came out. I was super stoked on those songs. I totally forgot about it. <laughs> it's oh, all right. Man. No. <laughs> you had those killer cowboy boots in the in the picture for it. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey. I lost those boots in that car accident. I never got them back. Oh. So they're still <laughs> sitting in a ditch somewhere. Someone can go find somewhere, them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's you know, kind of to wrap up here, like when you when you look back on your time with Rufio, what are kind of your favorite memories or takeaways from your time with the band? Oh man, there are so many. Honestly, we always had really good fans. I know it sounds cliche, but we would play these shows and these kids would just throw their bodies around and do flips. I mean, they were intense and they were great. They're always the coolest people. Yeah. Um, I I think I mean we had, there were so many cool times. We you know I'm. I met some of the coolest bands because of it. Like Taking Back Sunday, I mentioned earlier, they're the coolest guys. I've been sevenfold. I met those guys a couple of times. They were so nice. So I think meeting all these cool people that you really like, you're a fan of yourself. Yeah. And, and then you hang out at the Warp Tour barbecue. It's unreal, you know? Yeah. Um, those were cool. We had lunch with Dave Grohl once. That was cool. No, I'll never forget that. Man, how did that come about? <laughs> he was buddies with our producer, Nick, who did. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. A few, a few food fighters. He would stop by and just come say hi or whatever. But I remember just being like, oh my God, Dave Grohl's here. This is crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Have you seen uh, his uh, newest documentary, What Drives Us? I don't think so. Oh, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. It's kind of talking to bands about what it's like uh, touring in a van and in those early days. It's it's really interesting. Like he talks to like, guys uh, like uh, from U2 and. Um, even the Beatles and ACDC and Metallica and it, it's, wow. it's just, yeah, some really unique stories about kind of how every band, you know, starts off in a van pretty much. So whether you're, you know, a smaller punk band or, you know, a huge rock band, everyone kind of starts off the same. Yeah. You should, you should check it out. It's really good. That sounds cool. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Just one more thing. I wanted to briefly mention this uh, big city EP um, because it's really cool. I've been listening to it a lot lately. So this is a project that you and Scott like kind of worked on a number of years ago. Like what's kind of the backstory with um, with how that originally came about and then how it kind of really truly came mm-hmm. about recently? Um, we have always really been into rock music. Uh, I mean, punk rock, all of it, right? But uh, specifically hair metal. I love hair metal. Yeah. Molly Crew, Guns, you know, all those bands. Um, and Scott and our buddy Aaron wrote some lyrics and then Scott made them songs and then and then these someone to play lead, so they asked me and then we just kind of wrote some more songs after that. And we're trying to make it a band. We got some guys and it just didn't really work out. Um, so that's why we did that fourth Rufio album. And then literally out of the blue a year ago, Scott goes, hey, we should we record those songs now. Um, so he did all his parts in like I don't even know two days because Scott's yeah Scott is one take Scott's one take seller is what we call him because he does everything so fast just one take done so he did them all sent them to me and I, I recorded them sent them back and he just mixed them and that was kind of it it was it was quick it was like like two weeks of time yeah well with the rate that he can pump out music that that doesn't surprise me yeah it's kind of annoying actually <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's awesome for uh, for a fan like myself it's like oh another full length album three months later I'll take it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is cool for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I'm talking literally. I'll spend hours on one riff, and Scott does his part in two tries. Yeah, he's yeah, to deal with the whole life. Yeah, but maybe he's got more time to do it, or yeah, I guess yeah. some some guys just got it, or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a really unique EP. When when I when I saw the announcement for it or whatever for, that you guys had put out, like I was really intrigued, and and uh, yeah, like it's. It's cool that you you say you're influenced kind of by the hair metal and that kind of stuff because it definitely has some of that flair in there, but it's not as over the top as a lot of those bands were. Like when I'm listening to it, I'm not like, oh, okay, this is a little like too much or too cheesy. Like it's done really tastefully where it's, you know, I listen to it I'm like, okay, it still sounds like, you know, a punk, punk rock album, but it's just got a bit more, you know, I guess dynamic or, or ups and downs to it. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's really cool. I, I think if you're a fan of, of Rufio that, that you should go check this out because it, it, you know, it has that sound, but a bit different kind of shift to it. So it's, it's really cool. I'm really, really glad you guys were able to put that out. Thanks. I, I'm, I, I really like it actually. Thanks. Yeah. That's rad. Is, is songwriting something you still have interest and time for? I have no time. I probably play guitar once a year. Oh, okay. Um, but, I mean, it's just not where I'm at in my life anymore, you know, I guess. Yeah. Like, I just don't have any, like, um, I don't know. There's just nothing there. <laughs> it doesn't happen. I, I pick a guitar, it's just nothing. Yeah. Which is also, <laughs> you know, for how many hours, you know, and years of your life that you spend playing guitar and focusing on music and writing and recording and, you know, it's... I, I, it, this isn't unique. I've heard lots of you know different band people where they get to a point and it's like you know what I I did that for ten years. I'm happy to move on to something else and and uh, and, that, and that's okay too, right? You don't have to do the same thing your whole life. So it's it's just a interesting uh, perspective where you can be happy to just leave it as what it is and you know the music is out there for people if they want it and you know but you can do something else. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that what we did was more than I ever thought. So yeah, well, yeah, that's a big... I like I feel more than accomplished. So like you know what I mean? Like like I have no desire to push further because that was, you know, like more than I ever expected. Yeah, yeah, well, that's awesome. All you got to do now is grow your hair back out. 
<laughs> I know, right? It's all gray now, though, so I don't know. Uh, I can't see it, but dude, I I am the same. I uh, like it's it's this is just a random anecdote, but <laughs> yeah, like it's it's hereditary for me. My both of my parents had like gray white hair, super young, and so now I get the get to pass on that gift as well. <laughs> it looks cool though. It's like it's like George Clooney. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Clark, it's been really cool getting to talk with you. Like I, I love these kind of conversations and hearing these stories about you know some of my favorite albums, and so I appreciate you taking the time to to talk about these songs that are meaningful to you and to uh, many others. I'm sure. Cool. I thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it.